All right, good morning. My name is Justin Fanoff, one of the teaching pastors here, if I haven't had a chance to meet you. Um, I'm excited to be able to kind of wrap up this series uh, that we have here going on today. Uh, but before we jump in, I just have to be honest with you, I want to give you a little bit of a trigger warning. Okay, a little disclaimer here. So as you guys know, this is an election year, right? And we're really going to get into the details of that today. Just kidding. Some of you are like, why would you do that? Right? Now I just sweated through my shirt. I got to get out of here. Um, however, the actual true trigger warning is we're going to be using the motif of a table and food. So I know it's closer to lunchtime. So if your stomach is grumbling, I'm sorry about that. Um, but I'm excited to um, kind of get into this as we're talking about this idea of God taking strangers and making them family, how we've been estranged, which is not how it was supposed to be. That was not the original intent and how God is working to fix that. And so as we get into that, let me pray for us and then we'll, uh, we'll jump in. So Heavenly Father, I pray that you would be with us here this morning. Um, I pray that you would just guide us in your word, uh, that I would get out of your way, that you would just speak through me, that your spirit would just touch our hearts and our minds here this morning for what you have for us. And we love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so we've been talking about, like I said, this idea of estrangement, this idea of being separated, alienated from each other, but that's not how it was originally intended. And when we look back at the very beginning of things, and we'll just kind of recap a little bit of the series that we've been through briefly, what we look at is in Genesis 1 and 2 is the way that God originally designed and intended everything. When he created the garden, when he created humanity, he was with them. What we see is humanity, people, us, right, that are in the place of God, in the presence of God, in the peace of God, right? That's the original way. He walked with them, whatever that looked like, in the garden, right? He was there. They were there. They were all together. And what we saw was perfect shalom, perfect shalom. All right, now, some of you guys might be familiar with this word. If you have any uh, Jewish friends or Hebrew friends uh, of heritage, they might say that in greeting to you, right? Shalom to you or in, 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 in saying goodbye, shalom, you know, shalom, shalom. And basically, the idea is like peace to you, right? Peace to you, which is a very nice thing, right? Peace to you, okay? But it's actually even deeper than just our idea sometimes, right? Like, peace out, man. Like, it's different. It's more, you know, whole than that. And the idea that shalom was, that, that was present in the garden, in the original intent, is what we see is right standing, right? Right standing with God, right standing with each other, and right standing with creation, right standing with the world itself, the physical world, right? Everything was in unison. Everything was as it was meant to be. And the motif that we're going to use, or the metaphor we're going to use a lot today, is of a dinner table. Okay, it's of a dinner table, something I think we can all think about, right? Um, it's not my original motif. This is actually something that Jesus did. Thank you, Jesus, right? He gave this to us, and we're going to look at that today. Um, but I want you guys to imagine a dinner table, okay? I think of this one. If you guys remember Hook, okay? When I was a kid, this was like the best dinner table ever, Right? You remember that, like the food that was on there? You're like, oh, give me all of that, right? Because it was in their imagination. It was like the best dinner you could imagine. That's what I want us to do here today. God has set this table. Eden, the original intent, was this perfect table. And if you can imagine this going on into infinity, and everyone's got a seat at this table, and you didn't have to do a single thing, right? God cooked, God baked. God set the table. You didn't have to do anything. All you had to do was come and take a seat. He said, come on, 
take a seat, everything's ready for you, right? And Adam and Eve were at that table. They were at that table. He had made it for them. They were there. And the best part about it was not only the relation of God at the head of the table that you're sitting at, but also the food and the water, so to speak, was something that was going to sustain you for all eternity. There was nothing better. There was nothing better. But, as we talked about, that's not how it stayed. Adam and Eve made a choice. They said, we want to define all of this for ourselves. So again, in our metaphor here, you can imagine, they pushed away from the table. And they said, we want to make our own table. We want to cook our own food. We want to do this. We want to do this. And when that happened, what we see is things were broken. Things were broken. That right relationship, right, that we had with God was broken. That relationship we were meant to have that was perfect and shalom with our fellow man was broken. And it was with creation as well. And if you can imagine your plate on this dinner table as your heart, our hearts were broken. Our hearts were broken. We pushed away from the table. Our plates were broken. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And sometimes, and and I want us to be really careful because sometimes what happens is all we see around us is brokenness right now. That's all we see, pain, hurt, brokenness. And so sometimes we can think that's all there is and that's all there ever was. And what we do is we we look to Genesis 3 where the, the fall happened, where the decision was made, Um, that, you know, from Adam and Eve, and we're trying to get back to some different version of that, just the reverse of that. And what we fail to do is get all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. We fail to get all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2. Genesis 3 was not the original intent and design. Anything that you see around you when you've been angry at God or you've been mad about a situation, that's not what he meant to do. That's not what his original design was. We messed it up. Humanity messed it up. But God, in his infinite grace and mercy and love, provides a way to come back to the table. And that's what we're looking at today, along with inviting others to the table. You see, because what I want us to get out of things uh, things today is two things. One is, you're welcome at the table. And number two, that we have a full understanding that everyone else is welcome at the table too. What does that look like? And so right in the middle of this brokenness, right in the middle of this decision, God makes a promise. In his grace, in his mercy, in his love, God makes a promise. And we see it in Genesis chapter 3, uh, verse 15. And we've, we've been through Genesis 3 at the beginning where the serpent deceives Adam and Eve and they make the choice that they make. And God is like, oh, what have you done? What have you done? Right? And he's heartbroken. And so there's consequences and results of their decision, right? They're no longer able to stay in the garden. They're no longer able to be at that table anymore right? It's a, it's a result of the decision that they made. And so he's talking to them about how hard it's going to be away from his table, but he's also talking to the serpent. And when he's doing that, and he's doing that right here, he says this, and I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. And this is ancient Hebrew poetry that's basically telling us God is making a promise that says one day, one day, Now, you know, a day is different for him than it is for us, but one day at some point, right, there will be a seed of Eve and an offspring of Eve, and he will combat 
okay? Whatever the offspring of what the serpent represents, okay? Evil and sin and all of that. He will combat the offspring of that and he will conquer it. However, in the midst of conquering it, he will be dealt a fatal blow. Does that sound familiar? It's Jesus. It's Jesus, right? Now, like I said, his timing is different than ours, so it's a while that we, before we see it when we're reading through the Old Testament. But all of the Old Testament, all the prophets, everything pointing towards from that promise in Genesis 3.15 that we see right here, everything points to Jesus. God makes covenants with his people. The people break the covenant over and over and over again. And so he's like, I got a way that I'm going to do this, and it's going to be forever. It's why around Advent and Christmas time, it's such a big deal because Jesus' arrival is that promise. And what we see in Genesis 3.15 is realized in reality when we see this image here. Assume you guys might have seen around Christmas time, right? When you see Eve and she's got the, the capture of the serpent around her, right? We get that up there. Um, there we go. So we see Eve here, right? Here's the decision that she made, that, the fruit, right? And you see the captivity of sin, of that serpent around her ankle. And yet, God said, that's not how it always is going to be. In Genesis 3.15, he makes that promise. And we see this promise coming true with Mary, pregnant with Jesus. And if you can see, she's crushing the head of the serpent, right? That Jesus is this promised way back to the table. And so like I said, I want us to understand it for ourselves because it's important that we start there so that we can go out and successfully invite others. Because Jesus came to reset the table. Jesus came to reset the table. All right? We pushed away, humanity pushed away, our plates are broken. But Jesus said, I'm making a new table. And everyone is invited. And so what we'll see is um, in Luke chapter 14, and that's where we'll spend uh, a good portion of our time. So it'll be on the screen, um, or you can follow it on the seat back in front of you in the worship guide or, or in your Bibles if you like. Luke chapter 14, starting in verse 16. And what we see here is Jesus is preaching. He's talking to a whole group of people. And they're talking about this idea of a dinner table and, oh, how amazing will it be, you know, to eat dinner together and all this kind of stuff. And Jesus said, yes, but also we have to be careful and we have to understand what that looks like. So Jesus replies to the story it tells us here at the beginning of 16. A man prepared a great feast and sent out many invitations. All right, great. Bunch of people invited. It's going to be a big party. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servant to tell the guests, come, the banquet is ready. Okay, so we've, we've got our metaphor. We've got our motif. Jesus sp spoke a lot in parables, um, which is like stories that have deeper meanings, very helpful for us because it gives us something that we can all imagine, right? We've all eaten, I think, right? We've all been at a dinner table before, so we can, we can understand this, right? So he sends out many invitations. It goes on in verse 18, and it says, but they, the, the people that uh, the original uh, invitations went to, the servant goes and tells them, it says, they began making excuses. One said, I have just bought a field and must inspect it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five pairs of oxen, and I want to try them out. Please excuse me. At least they're polite about it, right? They're being very polite. Another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Okay. Now, we would read this. We just did. And I would say, those are all pretty good reasons, right? Wouldn't you agree? Those are all pretty good reasons. If Jesus was actually talking about a dinner table. 
but he's not. Spoiler alert. Right? He's not talking about a dinner table. So yes, if, you know, we've done this. We've been in this situation. If we're talking about an actual dinner, right? We've made dinner plans with friends or with family, and then something comes up, and we call or we text, and we're like, hey, I can't make it. This came up. Can we postpone? Can we do it to a different time? And they're like, yeah, absolutely, no problem. And introverts are like, yes. (laughs) Jamie's early tonight, right? So we've done this. The problem is Jesus isn't talking about a dinner, actually. He's talking about a relationship. He's talking about a relationship. The dinner table is a relationship, with him, with God, with what God originally designed to get us back to that perfect shalom. And so when, when people are saying, giving all these excuses or reasons, they're rejecting a relationship. They're rejecting a relationship. And so it's not just saying, it's, it's so much more than just eating together. You're saying, no, I don't want to be a part of this relationship. And before we get a little judgy and kind of go, well, that's rude, like, you know, relationship and all this kind of stuff. If we're honest with ourselves, we've been there, right? We've been there. The two people that are represented in this parable, we have been both. We have been both. Everyone has, right? So we have to be careful. And when have we? We can ask ourselves, when have I said no to Jesus or not right now, right? Maybe it's when you were first hearing about him and it took a while. Maybe it's that you have a relationship with him and maybe you feel like he's leading you into something but you're just, you're scared about it or you're not sure about it and so you're just saying, you're kind of putting it off like not right now, Jesus, not right now. We've all been there. So before we assume something of somebody else, we have to remember that we've done the same thing. And it's gonna be important when we talk about inviting other people to the table. So it goes on in verse 21 and it says, the servant returned and told his master what they had said. His master was furious and said, go quickly to the streets and alleys of the town and invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. After the servant had done this, he reported, there's still room for more. Okay. Poor, crippled, blind, and the lame. So the original invitations went out to, a, a, you know, what we can imagine as a different group of people. But now, everyone, basically everyone's invited now. Everyone's invited And a couple of things here. We're not just talking about physically poor, although that could potentially be a part of it. We're talking about poor of spirit. We're talking about physically poor. We're talking about emotionally poor, mentally poor, uh, spiritually poor. We're talking about everything. But the key is, I want you to go invite people that cannot possibly give me anything back in return. There's no way they can repay me for this. And isn't that God? There's nothing we've done or anybody else has done to earn their way to the table. He did everything. He's just asking you to come and sit down and take a seat. And it's the same for everybody. It's the same for everybody, right? And we have to remember too, Jesus was speaking largely to a Jewish group, right? And so they're thinking, wait, 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 wait. what do you mean everybody, What do you mean everybody? Because what we'll see in Acts a little bit later, the book of Acts, as the early church starts, things shift and not only do they they start preaching, the apostles are preaching to the Jews, but they actually start preaching to the Gentiles as well, which is all most of us here, right? Non-Jewish. So everybody's involved. But this would have been like, whoa, Jesus, what what are you talking about? And Jesus is saying, everyone is invited because I love them. And love and grace and mercy and compassion for others 
It doesn't have room for only doing it for people that can pay you back. Because first of all, if you're doing it with motive like that, it's not actually love. It's not actually compassion, right? And second of all, that's actually a pretty small group of people if you really think about it. Everyone is invited. And he goes on in verse 23, and he says, So his master said, Go into the country lanes and behind the hedges and urge anyone you find to come so that the house will be full. I want a full table. I want my table to be full. For none of those I first invited will get even the smallest taste of my banquet. So I want us to remember Everyone's invited. I mean, you know, he talked about the alleys. He talked about the streets. He talked about the hedges. He talks about behind the, you know, in the country lanes. Literally go everywhere and invite everyone. Invite everyone. I've made this table, and I want everyone to be a part of it. So I want us to remember, okay, because most of us in this room have accepted that invitation to the table, and we're sitting there. But God is also asking us to invite others because they're invited too. Because they're invited too. And when we look around, a lot of what's thrown in our face is how different we are. Right? All the differences, our differences of opinion, our differences of this and that and all of this. Right? And so we have a tendency to assume things of a group of people or of an individual, but we haven't actually talked to them. Right? And we have to be really careful with that. Like, if you would have seen while we were singing a little bit ago, I wasn't singing down there because my voice is feeling a little weak today, so I wasn't singing, okay? So you could have looked over there and been like, Justin's not singing. What's, is he mad about something or is he, you know? And if you're assuming any of those things, first of all, how dare you, <laughs> right? But second of all, if you'd have come and talked to me, it'd have been like, no, like I'm, you know, I'm, I want to make sure that I can speak during the message, so like I'm just kind of taking it easy, you know, oh, okay, okay, right? So we have to talk to people. We have to talk to people because here's the thing that where we're the same is way more important than where we're different. You get that? Where we are the same is way more important than where we are different. And here's where we're the same. Every single one of us have been excuse people and street people. We've all been both of these things. And we all may be again. We might move in and out of that. We've all been excuse people and we've all been street people. That's true of everyone in this room right here and that's true of everyone else. So if I'm saying like, oh, I don't know, you know, I do want to kind of invite this person, but I, I don't really know. They're in the same boat that you are. And I promise you, if you have a conversation with them, you're going to find that out. Well, I deal with anxiety with this and I'm not sure about that. And, oh, me too. I do that too. What Jesus is trying to help us understand is where we're the same matters way more than where we're different. Because while we've also been, we've been excuse people and street people, here's also what I want us to understand. We are all broken and lost. Jesus' invitation to come to the table is for all of us. It's for all of us. And you've done this. We've done it. Right? How many of you, right, went to a dinner and you were like, this is the, the experience is amazing, this is the best food that I've ever had, right? Can you guys imagine that, right? You, you've had that experience? Why was it tacos? <laughs> right? 
just seems like a natural thing. Everyone loves tacos, right? But, and so what do you do? You run and you tell people, oh, you got to go try this place. It's amazing, right? You got to try it. Now let's say they go and they do, okay? Maybe they don't like it as much as you. It's a bummer, but does that like affect you a ton? Not really, right? Because it wasn't really on you. It was on the cook and the servers and the hosts. It was on, you know, the restaurant was doing the thing, not you. You just were telling them about it and go. It's the same thing with the dinner table here. Guys, I have found this table. Everyone's invited. It's going to be the biggest party you could ever imagine. And the food there, it's living water and it's life-sustaining bread. It never ends. And it will sustain you for all eternity. Wouldn't you want somebody who's in the same boat that you are? Because we all know how it feels. We felt lost. We feel broken. And the profound love and grace and mercy and relief, I hope, that you feel from the idea that you're also invited to this table, somebody else wants to feel that too. So we have to invite them. Maybe they don't know about it. Maybe they're unsure about it. And I know it's hard. It can be hard because we're physically, mentally, emotionally the ones present sitting there talking to the person, right? But remember, we're inviting them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. The one that's done all of this, the one that's reset the table, the one that's recooked everything, the one that's rebaked everything. It's not about getting them to be a part of River Run. It could be part of it. It's not about getting them to be a part of your small group. It could be part of it. Relationships are important. But first and foremost and most important, it's about a relationship with Jesus. No matter where people are in their physical life, they still need Jesus. When you look at the early church, when they met, first of all, most of the time they were meeting in secret because it was dangerous, something that we haven't really had to deal with. But second of all, you saw people from all walks of life, right? Different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different socioeconomic structures. And they were there together, working together, sharing everything they had. And what happened to the early church? It exploded. It grew like wildfire. Because people looked and they said, that looks amazing. I want to be a part of that. Because what we have to be really careful of, friends, is that we do not ruin and undermine the power of our invitation. We have to make sure that we do not ruin and undermine the power of our invitation. It's why we have to really understand what we have in Christ what us being at the table again represents and means that we're not better than anybody else because we're all in the same boat. So that person deserves an invite as well, whoever it is. But if we've undermined our invitation power, they're not going to accept or they're going to be apprehensive, right? Because like I said, we have to be very careful about when we look at those people that made excuses. It doesn't mean that they weren't invited back to the table. They were, but the choice was on them. When you see Jesus, people flocked to Jesus. Are we representing a Jesus that people flock to? I'm not all the time. 
Are we representing a Jesus that people flock to? Because people, when you read in the New Testament, they flocked to him. Now, did they always stay? No. But Jesus didn't always chase them down either. He was like, you've been given the invitation, but the choice is ultimately up to you whether or not you're going to accept it. So the people that we see in his parable that rejected it, it wasn't that they weren't invited. It's just the choice is theirs to eventually accept it or not. So here's something that we got to... Understanding that we're all together in this, we have to ask ourselves, or remember, how we are as a family doesn't show the rest of the world what we are about, but who we are about. How we are as a family doesn't show the rest of the world what what we are about, but who we are about. It's not the strength of your faith, but the object that your faith is in. Does that make sense? It's not the strength of your faith, but the object that your faith is in. It matters how we represent ourselves, how we represent Christ in that, and as a family, how we do. And Pastor Tyler talked about this last week some. It matters how we represent as a family. Because if we just are at the table and we get in a massive food fight, that's not a fun one, because some of them can be fun, right? But if we get into a food fight that's not a good one, and it just stops there, and then more people walk away from the table, and they're like, I'm done with this. I don't want to do this anymore. And that's where it ends. Who's going to be attracted to that? They're like, oh, yeah, that's just what I thought. That's the way they are over there. But what if, like we saw in the early church, food fights happen. We're not perfect. What if they also saw radical reconciliation, radical love, radical forgiveness for each other? I always wanted mashed potatoes in my hair. It's fine. I forgive you. I forgive you, right? I submit to you that, holy smokes, if we can do this, guys, people will come running. Wait, I can mess up, and then I'm still accepted, and I'm still forgiven? Yeah, absolutely. You still got a seat at the table, just like me, because I messed up also, right? So we have to be really careful about what we assume about other people without talking to them. Building relationships are so important. Our building relationships are a lot of times a gateway to helping them build a relationship with Jesus. It matters how we represent things. Jesus said this in John 13, right? A new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples. You represent me. You represent me. Don't tell people, don't show people that the food is terrible, that I don't bake well, that I forgot to put the forks out. Don't show them that. Show them that no matter what, everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome, no matter where they are. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The places we are different matter so much less than the places we are the same. We can have opinions. That's okay. We can have thoughts. We're all raised different. We all come from different backgrounds. Part of the beauty of humanity is how we think differently. There's nothing wrong with that. God gives us brains for that reason. But we have to remember that how we are the same, when we are thinking about enlarging the family and inviting more people into the, into the table, to the table, 
is that where we're the same matters so much more. This is right after Jesus washed his disciples' feet, right? And you guys can imagine, right, first century, washing people's feet. Not great, probably, right? And the fact that Jesus did it for his disciples, it should have been the other way around, right? The disciples should have been the one washing his feet. And yet he got down on his hands and knees with a bowl of water, washes his disciples' feet. And then he says this because he modeled it for them. He's given us the model. And do you know whose foot or feet he washed as a part of this? He washed Judas' feet. The very man who was going to betray him, and Jesus knew he was going to betray him, he washed Judas' feet too. If you knew ahead of time somebody was going to betray you, how would you treat them? How would the world treat them if they knew that person was going to betray them? And is the way that you would treat them different than the way the world would? I don't know if I would for myself, if I'm honest. He washed Judas' feet. Where we're the same is so much more important than where we're different. If in the end your sports team didn't win, Jesus is still king. If your candidate is not in office, Jesus is still the king. If someone has more to offer than you, or you have more to offer than someone else, Jesus is still the king. And his invitation is for everyone, not just people in this room. So I want us to ask this of ourselves. Is what I am doing helping or getting in the way of people and me getting closer to Jesus? We are meant to be a doorway or a gateway to Jesus, not an obstacle. If we're an obstacle, we're ruining the power of the invitation that Jesus has given us to give to somebody. It means we have to be intentional. It's hard. It's really hard. I have to be intentional with everything, right? It matters. If I'm in a conversation with somebody and I'm talking and I'm not talking very nice and somebody overhears that, it can ruin the invitation later. They might not ever approach me. I might not ever know about it, but in their own mind, they're going, I don't want any part of that. If I'm posting on social media something that, yeah, there might be a group of people that agree with you, but there might be a whole bunch of other people that it hurts, you might not ever hear about it, but it's ruined the power of your invitation for them. And I'm not saying that it's always intentional, but if we're not being intentional then we open up the possibility that we're getting in the way of people knowing Jesus. I tell my kids all the time, is what you're doing at school, on your sports teams, are you helping or hurting people know who Jesus is? So we have to be together here and when we're together here in that love, in that grace, in that mercy, even knowing we're going to feel different ways about different things, all right? I'm a Packers fan. A lot of you guys know Pastor Caleb is a Lions fan. It's really hard to love him a lot of times. <laughs> but I do. The Lord gives me strength, right? 
It doesn't matter where we are differently because where we're the same matters more. It has more power and it matters for eternity. So two things as we wrap up. There's a seat at the table for every single person in this room, outside of this room. For everyone that has been, that is right now, and everyone that's going to be until Jesus comes again, there is a seat available to every single one of you. So first, remember this for you. I don't know what's going on in your past. I don't know what, what kind of experiences you've had. But you have a seat at his table. Do you know that? You have a seat at his table. Jesus says, you don't have to do anything. I've cooked the meal. I've baked. I've set the table. I'm sitting at the head. Just come have a seat. Just come have a seat. And when we have a better understanding of that for ourselves, we have better power and we're in a better place to then go out and say, hey, do you know that there's a dinner table for you that's more powerful than you could ever imagine and it's going to sustain you for all eternity and you, all you got to do is bring yourself and sit down? So uh, I just think that this sums it up so well. And uh, Zach Williams is a singer-songwriter and he actually has a song called To the Table, which is appropriate. And this is what it said. And I want us to just think about this and internalize this. Come on in. Take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come right in and find your grace. Street people, excuse people. Come on in. Take your place. There's no one who's turned away. All you sinners, all you saints, come on in and find grace your grace and bring it all to the table there's nothing he ain't seen before for all your sin all your sorrow and your sadness there's a savior and he calls bring it all to the table this is me this is you this is people you love this is people you struggle to get along with this is people you agree with. This is people you don't agree with. This is everyone. Jesus came to restore shalom in our hearts and in this world. He actually even reset the table. He physically had an example of it, right? And we see from the famous painting. How lucky are we that da Vinci was actually there to give us this, right? He was there, like... He did this, literally. He gave us an image of it with his disciples on that night. He's reset the table, and he's invited all of us. He said, perfect shalom is available to you again in this seat at the table. And you say, okay, okay, all right. Justin, Jesus, I, I, I think I see what you're saying. I, I, I understand that I have an invitation to the table. I understand that other people have an invitation to the table. But here, understand this for yourself first so you can tell other people too. You say, I'd love to come to the table, but my plate is broken. 
I, I can't eat on a broken plate. And Jesus said, don't worry about it. Take a seat. And you take that seat. And he says, look again. It's fixed. The plate's not broken anymore. The plate's your heart. The plate is your heart. It was broken. It was shattered even. But the invitation for you and for everyone else is to come to this table with your repaired plate and enjoy the meal that he has for you. That is life-sustaining and eternity-sustaining. And when we understand this for ourselves, how much more powerful and better can we go out and invite others to the same thing? Everyone has an invitation. Have you accepted yours? Are you inviting other people? We're going to enter into our time of response. And those are the questions that I'd love for you to just process. Maybe it's right there at your seat. Do I have a full understanding of this invitation that I have? Because before I can be successful, before I can be you know, go out there and do what God is asking me to do. And make no mistake about it. It's not, at the end of the day, the power that we have that turns hearts and, and does all that. The Holy Spirit does that. We can take a little of the pressure off ourselves. The Holy Spirit does the work. He's just asking us to give them their invitation to the table. But that can be hard. And so we want to make sure that we fully understand our repaired plates and our seat at the table so that we can better be prepared to go to give it to others. But maybe you don't have a full understanding of that, and so you could sit there and process with the Lord your invitation and what that looks like. Maybe you have, and you, you, you've got a good, you feel like you've got a decent handle on it. We're not perfect, but you've got a decent handle on it. I'm at the table, I'm eating, I feel good about it. But am I doing what God has asked me to do and going out and inviting others to the table? Ask him, talk to him about it. Ask him to help you with that. Because again, we don't want to, we want to acknowledge that it can be hard. We don't want to ignore that. We'll also have um, some of our prayer team up here at the crosses, and they'd love to pray with you again of the same thing. Or maybe you haven't accepted your invitation to the table. Maybe you don't fully understand what Jesus has done for you, but now you're beginning to, and you want that relationship. Because it's not about a dinner table, it's about a relationship. You want to accept what God, what Jesus has done for you. We'd love to pray with you about that, talk to you about that up here. And for those of us that have accepted our invitation, there are tables on either side to take communion and recognize the work, the power of the work that Jesus has done to reset this table for us, to to invite us back into this relationship with him and with God, to restore within ourselves that perfect shalom with him. We also have our baskets in the back. I know a lot of us give online as well, but if you'd like to give, um, those are back there as well. And it's not, a, not about a transaction. It's just simply about we understand the incredible work of what Jesus has done in our lives, the invitation that we have into this relationship and this dinner table with him. And we just want to give back out of worship and out of thankfulness to that. Do you understand your invitation? to this table? Have you accepted it? And do you understand 
what it means to go out and invite other people to this table too. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for our repaired plates. Out of your immense love and grace and mercy, out of nothing that we did, you said, I'm going to fix this because I can't stand to be away from you. But we have to accept that, Lord, and I pray that you would help us. Help us to understand what it means to have this invitation to be seated at this table in you. And at the same time, understand what you're asking us to do. Say, what you have, I want for everyone. Can you help me invite people to this table? We thank you that your immense grace and love and mercy make this all possible. And pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.